Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome back to Footballers. This is Season 3, Episode 10. And this is a continued discussion from our last pod with Pugzilla, Metz, and Paul. That's going to be a little bit more gameplay-centric. Let's get into it. Bugs, you touched on the four three three. That's something I wanted to talk about. We'll get into a little bit of gameplay chat here. You said you went back to the four three three. What were you using before that? And which formations, in your opinion? I mean, you play a lot of FIFA, so your opinion is is one to take note of. But what formations do you think are most effective for, let's say, your average player or your elite player? Well, I think I'm gonna change your question up a little bit and kind of stand on his head and what formations are not effective to me quick like narrow it. diamond is kind of not that effective this year because the passing in the left stick is what you kind of use to make space in that formation as you go direct um it can be a counter-attacking formation if you do the lby's over the top which is another meta tactic this year that has absolutely no bearing on skill it's just hoping and praying that the defenders the center backs have a mare of an animation. Anyway, I digress. Um, I think one thing, this question comes up on my stream a lot. Um, and I think the one thing is, believe it or not, I think almost anybody could get 80% of their potential with any formation. And I say that because we, everybody is different. And I think it's to the point now in FIFA where they're, won't be a meta formation and style until later in the game. So you have to know yourself. You know, when I went from a 4-4-2 to a 4-3-3, one of the main reasons was because I needed a central CDM. And I've found through the years that I defend better with one defender in front of my back four rather than two. Whenever I played 4-2-3-1 or whatever, whenever I played 4-4-2, something about my brain and, like, working with those two people over my back four rather than one just didn't work out. And I think people need to give themselves more credit. And I think people can unlock their potential if they just focus on what they do well, you know, and, and sometimes it's very basic, you know, do I play better with two strikers? Do I play better with one striker? Do I play better with four midfielders? Do I play better with, you know, um, uh, one CDM, as in my case, I play better with one CDM. And I think, Everybody can do 80% of their potential with any formation. That's why I think the 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 rush for pros to put out these YouTube videos and say, oh, 5122 is the is the most meta formation this year. They could literally do that video with any formation and make it look 
like the meta if they wanted to. They just go with the one that is going to get the most clicks. So I think that like yeah. finding your own, I, I found my own path through playing lots of draft where you're forced into different situations and you're forced to use different formations and you're forced to stick with a plan. And that's how I kind of decided to go with the four three three two as my main formation. And I think, you know, I think as far as like what's the most effective formation, I don't think that's going to be known for a few months still. Um, I think last year was a really good year for the three five two. Um, but I think there hasn't been, yes. in my opinion, a truly dominant formation for a couple of years um, with the way they've built FIFA. There's a lot of different ways to skin a cat, they say. And I think there's a lot of different ways to play FIFA. Just know that you could probably do better figuring out first what your main strengths are. You know, simple schematic things. One CDM, two strikers, wingers, four in the midfield. Figuring that out will unlock your last 20% potential. And then you'll find your formation. And then you'll start playing FIFA rather than playing FIFA 23 and just looking for little cheesy uh, stuff, you know? Sage advice, sir. Yeah, makes sense. One thing I have noticed, though, in, in Rivals and Champs, particularly I've been coming up against 4-2-3-1 a lot. Um, are you seeing a lot of that in your gameplay? Well, I mean, yes, it's one of the most legitimate formations in world football. I mean, it's, you know, Jose Mourinho, the, the you know, it's it's a legit it's formation. Balance, right? um, I see a lot of that. I see a lot of 4-2-2-2. Four, four, you know, 4-2-2-2, I see a lot, too. Um also, at the, I mean, I'm not a high end, high end player. I do play a lot of FIFA, but I'm not super high end. I think I'm one threshold away from Division One right now in Rivals. Um, the ability to adapt. I've pulled so many games out of the fire this year with four two four and just sending everything at people. Um, so I think being able to adapt is important for sure. And sometimes that might mean four two three one to close out a game or whatever you feel comfortable with. In my situation, as a person that enjoys one CDM, my ultimate fail-safe bunker-down formation is the 4-1-4-1. And so that 4-1-4-1 gives me my one CDM, closes the wings. Um, But the ability to adapt is important, I think. Um, And people need to take it seriously because you really can affect results by, you know, changing up your style. Um, it's not over till it's over, you know? Yeah, I agree with a lot of that. I mean, there's so many different ways to skin a cat, like you said. And I particularly noticed that in draft too, where I would normally not ever use a four, three, three, two, the second variation with the one CDM, but those are the drafts that I've gotten the furthest in is when I use that or like a four, four, two, but I haven't still yet to try it in rivals and, and champs because I don't know why, because I'm stuck in my old ways of four, three, two, one, but yeah, maybe that's something we need to do, just experiment more and try different things. But I do understand what you're saying with the narrow uh, or the diamond, because a lot of that kind of develops through the middle, right? And anytime you have to dish it out through the middle, you are having to move out of the way. There's a little bit of left stick involved. And if you've got a wacky animation or heavy gameplay, you're just fucked. And if you lose the ball in the midfield, you know, at, at midfield or let's say in your own half, you're more than likely going to concede on a counter with that. And it's, it can be brutal. Mets, are you playing a wide formation right now or, or what are you using? So when you were talking earlier about my results or my experience improving from the beginning, I was trying formations that were successful for me last year, like three, four, one, two. 
uh, playing it as wide as possible, having good sort of creative strikers that can link up together really well. And I just couldn't get it to click with the personnel that was available at the beginning of the game for a fair price, put it that way. Um, like Pug was saying, when Jose Mourinho's style based my system off his Champions League winning team with Inter from like 2009, 2010, something like that. So 4 2 three, one with narrow cams and that just works fantastically well for me. Um, I think just making myself harder to beat, first of all, set me up with a good platform. And then when Arnautovic was released, that was exactly the player I needed to lead the line. I need a striker who can be a pivot for those other three attacking players to sort of bounce off of. That works fantastically well for me. And Arnautovic, to be fair, he can do it all. Um, he's fast enough with lengthy to get in behind, strong enough to hold up the ball, has good creative skills and dribbling as well as being able to finish. So that has been a revelation for me. I get way more results out of Arnautovic than I did Haaland, for instance, who's obviously by far the better out-and-out striker. You know, his finishing's incredible. But because Haaland is only good when he's running in a straight line, as soon as you stop him and make him turn, the move breaks down. So he would score more goals himself, but my team would score less goals than I do with Arnautovic, who scores plenty and creates plenty. And so finding not just the formation, but the personnel to work well in those formations is critical. But that is a good platform for me. I do have different tactical systems that I can change it up depending on how the game is going, but I would spend. 80% in my sort of default variant of 4-2-3-1, which is playing a bit more defensively, having all the forwards aggressively closing people down, working hard, tracking back, or on comeback on defence, trying to get as many of them behind the ball as possible to uh, intercept the ball and then spring forward, basically. So it, it is quite counter-attacking, which is a bit bitchy. Um, I would say anyway, um, based off my <laughs> my, my, my previous styles. Um, but this is working well for me at the moment. So um, I'm sticking with it for the time being. It's it's really made the game way more enjoyable for me. And I, I don't mean that just on a, a results basis because I still lose games. But as long as I'm competitive, I don't mind losing. I have to feel like I'm in with a chance most matches to enjoy the game properly. And I am doing now. So regardless of whether I win or lose, I'm having fun. So that's all that's important to me. Yeah. I mean, I feel the same way. I don't mind losing at all. I just want to make sure I lose fairly. You know what I mean? Let the, let the gameplay be level on both sides let us have a good even match of FIFA. And if you beat me, you beat me, you know, but don't fucking put my players in quicksand and expect me to play. That's when I get pissed off. Talking about quicksand, Pugs, you wanted to talk about something in particular. Is that right? Yeah. And it started in FIFA 22. Um, well, at least that's when I noticed it, but um, the, abil- the ability of attacking players with horrendous, Defensive stats, horrendous physical, low attacking work rate or low defensive work rates in some situations. How how well they press when put on team press, constant pressure, or pressure after possession loss. And it's something that drives me up the wall because when I have players at the back um, that are a bit bad on the passing and a bit bad on the dribbling compared to attackers, that is, there seems to be 
no way out and I just get snowed in and I give up constant goals to lose the ball, one pass score. And then I have to go, you know, up the whole pitch for my goals and make crazy passing plays. Um, and I think the one thing that has EA in kind of a conundrum here is there can't be a FIFA where you can just pass the ball around the back. You know what I mean? Like, that's why I think they've made pressing so effective is because people would literally just rag the ball the whole game if they could with a one or two goal lead. They could literally, if if you didn't have that setting to go to in a snap to, to, to release the hounds and to get everybody going, um, you could have people literally hold the ball the whole time. But I feel like it's so imbalanced because I feel like these attackers with really bad defending stats um, just get a boost with aggression and stand tackle and all that stuff. When I have a player like Ferlin Mendy, right, uh, on the wing, he doesn't have the greatest dribbling, but I'm in an individual duel with an, uh, with an attacker, say uh, Usman Dumbele or say uh, Vinicius or whoever really on the wing. Those players have really low defending stats. My player has moderate dribbling stats, and I can't shield. I can't turn yeah. these players. I can't you know, my pass is getting blocked every time because these guys are sticking out a leg and stuff to get in the passing lanes. And there, I feel like there's a massive imbalance starting last year that has continued into this year's game where maybe it's time to start toning down the press. And I've, I've just, I don't know how you guys feel about it, but that's, I think there, there might be a adjustment yeah. needed. So my issue with this, and I agree with everything you just said. My biggest thing I see with this as an issue is if you go team press or constant press, the AI moves way faster and they mark way tighter and they make way better interceptions than you could if you were manually doing it. So if you're manually trying to shield or close somebody down with Dembele or Vinicius, and let's say you turn with Mindy, they're not going to turn near as quick if you were manually controlling them Whereas if you were to just control the next person and let the AI do it, they're going to stick to them like white on rice. To me, that's where the the biggest issue is. There's no balance in it because the AI is so much better than you are at pressing with attackers. And it shouldn't be the case. You should be able to to fake out Usman Dembele with the likes of Ferland Mindy with those kind of defending stats. If what they say is true based on defensive awareness, especially on attackers. That's my biggest issue with it. And I think it gets exacerbated when you can bring on five subs. So you bring on five new forwards in the 75th, 80th minute when you're playing with moderately gassed players, it's, it's not even close. You know what I mean? Just let the AI do the work. Once you get the ball, bing, bing, boom, you score. Paul, you haven't chimed in in a bit. Your, your internet kind of had a blip, but we got you back. What do you think about what we've been chatting about? Yeah, I think it's such a problem and it's, magnified so many times when you are playing in bad gameplay as well so if you're playing in bad gameplay um, and you've managed to get a couple of goals in front you're almost dreading waiting for that press do you know what I mean you're thinking right we're two goals in front here and you know it's coming and the press comes and it's taking your full back 20 seconds to receive a pass that would normally take five seconds and he you know he just won't receive the pass he won't turn next thing you caught a cross is fired into Haaland and he just hits it on the volley 
um, from a 30 yard cross. Um, and it just, it does, it just puts you, if the rest of the gameplay has been pretty solid, you're still struggling when it gets to, to that part. And you can, you know, you can bring on five subs, um, and it still is too, it's too overpowered. I feel like there needs to be something there to, to, to sort of help that. And people say, oh, you know, I don't mind playing, um, against the press, um, which I don't, if my gameplay is great. Yes. Um, but on those rare occasions, it's great. You know, I can play out of it, but you know, and, and it's, you know, people will set up their teams and set up the tactics, the formations, um, with pressure after possession loss. And you come against them every weekend. There'll be those guys who just have a system set up so that that's all they're doing. As soon as they lose the ball, they've got that press on. They'll nip the ball back, you know, <laughs> one pass or yeah. one deflection and the, the volley it in. And that's where the real frustration comes from because there's no real skill involved there. It's just the way that that's been set up. And it, it just becomes frustrating because it's not, it's not a fair matchup. Well, and it's easy to get wrapped up into that type of gameplay, right? If that's the kind of gameplay people want to push on you, it, it's easy to get caught up in it and to play their type of game, which the one thing I can say that has success, which typically these kind of people who only rely on these kind of tactic and can only counterattack. What I try to do, which if I'm tilted by then, I don't do it because I just don't even think about it. Just kick it out of bounds. Let them throw it in. Let them have a buildup. Let them try to attack you because these people don't know how to attack. All they know how to do is counter. So let your whole team come back. Just kick it out of bounds. Set up shop and make them break you down. If they do, GG's. You got me. But don't play into their game. Just kick it out. It's, it's shithousery. It's fucking stupid. But it's a way to prevent conceding a goal. And it's a way to make him beat you instead of letting him beat you, if you see what I'm saying. I don't know if Mets, if you kind of see that what I'm going with on that one. But it's, it's, you're fighting fire with fire. That's the only way I know how to do it. Yeah, I think what you've just said about basically lumping the ball, this is such a real-life solution to team press. Uh, and it, it generally works or it alleviates the pressure for a while. But this is what bad Premier League teams have to do when they're playing Liverpool, Man City, et cetera, et cetera. They can't play around a team press. They're not good enough. There's few teams in the world that, that can if you press well. So I don't have a problem with team press and the fact that it's good, but I don't think it drains the stamina as much as it should do because if someone's pressing over and over again and they're not winning the ball, they will be knackered. They'll be demoralised and eventually they'll stop doing it, period. But we can do it as much as we want in this. It takes much too long to to, to drain people's stamina down when the, the team pressing. That that was the point I was going to make, and you hit the nail right on the head, Mets, because EA are lazy in their fixes for these gen- generally thing, and all they really end up doing is lower the stamina. Well, I've got five subs, six if it goes to extra time. Why do I care if I have to sub on a sweaty attacker at the end of the game? Um, they They need to tone it down, I feel like, where the lower defending stats matter. If Vinicius is out there on the wing closing everything down and because he's fast and physical, he barges my fullback off the ball every time, 
Well, that's not really a fully balanced proposition because my fullback's got really good dribbling stats and he should be able to hold off the ball against somebody who literally can't make a tackle. Um, so I think they need to tune it a bit more. Um, and it's a constant source of... Uh, I think what they need is um, a new stat for team press because there's players in real life who are good at it and players who are not. Like We've seen time and time again over the last 18 months that the current Man United team are rubbish at team press and they're obviously going to get better under Ten Hag but in general, not very good. Liverpool players have been trained to do it really well. So have Man City. But you were just saying about Vinicius Jr. He can't team press in real life so why can he do it really well in FIFA? He needs a stat to determine whether he's suitable for team press or not. And if it's a low stat, he'll be bad at it and your defender will smash through him most of the time. That's how it should be. But I do have a solution to this in the current state of the game. And this is something I figured out pretty early on, actually. The solution is, let's say you go 2-0 up to you, no team press is going to be on with constant pressure. All the time, it's the only way that these bad players can get back into the game. You've probably got some wide players up front who are getting tired by this point in the game. So you're in the 60th, 70th minute, you're going to make a sub anyway. Bring on a forward who has probably lengthy, ideally, but is tall and very strong. And when you get pressed, just lump the ball forward to that player. They will either win the header against the fullback or you'll just be able to bring it down on the chest because they won't be able to get in front of you because they'll be physically inferior. And this is the great way to turn their team press into a massive counter-attack against them because all their players will be at the wrong end of the field. It's fantastic. It works really well. The type of players who I use for this, specifically for this super sub role, um, player that I got on a red pack, um, Enna Valencia. You know, he's about six foot, 90 plus strength, lengthy, 90 plus pace, perfect for this kind of thing. I did refer, I think it's Gerson Rodriguez, who was a discard in form at the beginning of the game. Also very good for this, 90 plus pace, very strong, lengthy, all that good stuff. These type of players will dominate fullbacks in the air if you lump a long ball to them. They're strong enough to hold the ball or bring it down on the chest, that kind of thing. And it's a really good way to turn a, a desperate situation in, at the back where you can't make a good dribble or play a, you know, a simple pass because you're under so much pressure, but you can ping it back to the goalie and lump it forward to one of these wide players and they will do a much better job than ticky-tacking it around and maybe getting intercepted, maybe not. That, that's fair. I mean, the, the, the thing that I run into is I feel like maybe some of it's just me down to just my gaming, my peak gaming years are behind me, I'm not sure, but... Um, it's not so much late game when I'm up. It's I'm down three nil inside of 20 because they came out with constant pressure. My gameplay is heavy. I can't pass the ball. I'm down three nil. Now I want to rage quit. You know, they might not get to the 80th minute for me to sub on a striker, you know? Um, so I, I, I just feel that, you know, it's one of the, one of my pet peeves and it started last year. I, I do, I do agree with your idea though, that to have a, 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 a way around it late game, I think that is smart. Especially I liked your idea of putting somebody big on, on a fullback rather than on a center back. Um, because that's a matchup that you're going to win yeah. a lot. That, when you um, Isaac Traore, we were talking about, if you stuck him out, <laughs> he'd obviously gobble Ooh. up everything and yeah. 
And, hey, I want to win. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't care. I'll put it, whoever out there, you know, if it's going to help me win, I'll do it. The answer is always Matt Meta. Yeah, Matt Meta. There we are. Yeah. I, I've, mm. I've got an inform Havertz that, um, yeah, Havertz would be good for it because he's, he's big and he's great at, at that sort of, you know, sometimes you give it a little bit too much and he ends up getting in behind, but he, you know, when you've got tired fullbacks, um, he's, he's a great one, even when it's not the press, but, um, back to what, uh, Pug said there that those who come out and start smashing you three nil and just get three goals before you even know what's happened. That's just, it's just so frustrating. Um, and the fix for it is consistent gameplay for everybody. But, um, I say this on the pod all the time. We'll be sat here in 20 years time saying, if only we could get consistent gameplay for everybody. If this game were the same every time we logged on, it'd be wonderful. And we'll be saying this when we're in his fucking 60s uh, because they obviously can't find a solution to that Um, because I'm sure if they could, they would, um, or one that they want to spend money on. I can see Hunter just about to say they could do, they could spend money on servers. You were going to say that, uh, weren't you, Hunter? No. You were going to say no, that. Actually, I could see it actually, in your I eyes. wasn't. I wasn't. No, because the, they, they have actually done that. I think, personally, I think what it comes down to is skill-based matchmaking because you always see it. Like, like That's the main reason I don't really play Weekend League very much anymore consistently is because those first five games are great because you're probably playing people close to you. You have no ELO to work on. They're just looking, how far is this guy? How far is this guy? Yeah, let's match him up. I go up, I'm I'm five and oh, right? Now I'm playing, I'm looking for somebody who's five and oh. Okay, well I don't have anybody in Texas that's five and oh in this region at this time. So let me go to Mexico. And as soon as they go to Mexico, it's dog shit. I don't care what you say, it's it's fucking it's shit. But the further you go into champs and the more your ELO climbs, and I've said this about a million times, the further they have to look out to find somebody to match you up with. Therefore, more problems with gameplay. It it, it I, I can't prove it because I don't have any data to back this up. It's consistent, and you ask anybody. The further you go into weekend league, the higher the ELO gets, the shittier the gameplay gets. So that's why, to me, online friendlies are the most consistent gameplay you ever have. And it's also the most loosely skill-based matchmaking. There's no skill-based matchmaking to it. Basically, it's random, and the gameplay is always fucking flawless. Now, I don't know if they do a different type of dedicated server for that. I don't think it's P2P anymore, but... It's always champs. The further you get into it, the shittier the experience. And that's the only thing I can say at this point, because my connection is great. It's always great. It's stable. Yet the gameplay gets shit as it go on to it. I don't feel like I'm beating a dead horse, but I I just don't think it's going to change until they adjust how they match people up in these competitive modes. Uh, We do have one hot take we need to get to. Hot takes. And this one comes from Alex Rodas. And Alex Rodas says, The amount of special cards is ridiculous. Now with the out-of-position cards already is killing any enjoyment. Just feels like there's special cards for the sake of it. I know it's to make money, but killing the game already. Um, I don't know. I, I, I don't agree with this, really. Because I think if we didn't have exciting and new cards to play with that you would just keep seeing the same teams over and over and me personally if i play with the same team for more than a month i get bored with it i like variation and change pugs what do you think 
Well, I think kind of twofold things. Number one is I like it because it's something to pack. I mean, you know, as I'm trying to build my team with the more expensive cards, gold cards are dead. So, you know, to actually hit a special that's worth something is realistically the only way to, like, you know, get up to the higher tier cards, the Ronaldos and the, you know, Ronaldinho's and stuff. So those are the ones I want to play with anyway. So I got to, you know, get on my grind for that. Um, the other thing is, um, uh, hmm, well, I've, I've lost my train of thought here. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think overall the, oh, the other thing was that I, I, uh, I think more special cards is okay as long as the power curve doesn't get out of whack where it's March. They've milked the market for all they can. And now in March, there's 99 cards everywhere. So I'm okay with the power curve um, going slow. And I think some of these cards are, are going slow. They are definitely slowly pushing the power curve faster and faster each year where if you saw last year's power curve, the team of the seasons were irrelevant, you know, pretty much right at the uh, right at the end of team of the season already with all the specials they were releasing the, like that Chiellini SPC for instance that was like 30k um so i i like specials for two reasons one as long as the power curve goes slow it helps you you know with with improving your team and then two it's something to pack i mean it is a money grab no doubt um, no doubt but uh uh, it gives us it gives us grinders some hope if we can pack a 400 300k card because the golds are so dead so yeah i don't know Mets Paul you probably have a an opinion on this one i mean i don't think it kills the game I, i'm i'm struggling to see how the constant promos kill the game um do you see where he's coming from Mets a little bit the game would benefit not from more or less promos um, or special cards generally. I think there should be more form dependent. Like I like showdown stuff like that, that are a reflection of what's going on in real life, not just EA bringing back card after card that they've used year after year because it was popular once upon a time, like Atal. He was a rubbish player in real life, but because he's got five star, five star, everyone goes mad for him. So we were guaranteed to get one special at all every year. If it was more to do with with form or who's won the big game that weekend and real life influencing the content a little bit, I'd be happier. Not just EA just plucking the same cards out of thin air all the time. But we, we did used to have a game where you know, the only content we had was informs and everyone was more than happy with it. And now we've kind of degenerated into a state where because of certain content makers, namely YouTubers, need to do stuff around the 6 p.m. release cycle. The machine has to be fed day after day, week after week. And this is the norm now. This is where we're at. Um, you, you just got to run with it. If you If you want to play with the same gold team for most of the year, go for it. I reckon if you're a good player, you can still be reasonably effective. Uh, but at some point you, you're going to want to upgrade. So it's good that stuff like we've had this week without a position, they give you different options to take your team in different directions. So I've kind of gone around in a circle of that one, but we we need the content. We need new things to do in the game, but I would prefer it if it was just a little bit more reflective of what's going on in real life. That would be my take. Yeah, well, if if you're going to compete, I feel like 
you almost have to stay engaged and you have to upgrade to some extent because the game, I mean, like you said, Mitz, it, some people can absolutely wreak havoc with gold cards that are really good at the game. GG's. But most people cannot. And this is the type of game where you need better cards to keep up with the curve or you're going to struggle. Uh, even if you're better than your opponent, if if his team is that much better and your skill base is only slightly better than his, he's probably going to get you simply because his cards are better. They move better. They're faster. They make better shots. I don't know where Paul sits on this one. Well, they need content and different cards coming into the game each week because I don't think the gameplay itself is enough to keep people playing week in, week out. I think we're at a stage now where we have promos every week. Every day, people are tuning in at six o'clock to see what we get. Um, without that, there's there's no hype anymore. Like I think we've, we're already past that. We can't go backwards now and just go back to playing, you know, having a promo every month or something and playing with with gold cards. Um, the the menus and the content is a huge, massive part of the game. Now, you put you put most Twitch streams on or um, YouTube videos. Not many of them are gameplay only. A lot of it's menus. Um, so without the the content and the upgrade packs, you know, you're not going to want an upgrade pack to pack another Son because you've already packed him four times because he's the only card in, you know one of the only Premier League left mids anyone left wings that anyone wants to use in the game. Do you know what I mean? It's just yeah. we've we've gone past that now. We need um this content to keep people in the game or people will just drop off. Yeah. I agree. And I think EA faces a backlash if they were to ever not drop a new player SBC on a day, they're gonna get backlash. Oh dead content, dead content and people aren't gonna be engage that day because there's not a new player to get or whatever. Yeah. Makes sense. Pompel has shared with us some hate mail that he got this week. You've got mail. And I'm kind of kind of sad. I haven't got any hate mail that yet this year at all. I wanted to share some, but I just I haven't gotten any. So maybe I need to start playing a little bit more toxic and maybe we can get some. But Pompel shared uh one or two of these and uh, he got his first message in Russian. He had to translate it. Somebody called him. They said, fucking spectacle, fucking slut. So Pompeo was pissing people off this week. Um, this next one, <laughs> Paul, do you want to read this next one? Oh my God, you parked the bus. Okay. haha. You play so ugly. I want to fucking cry. Take your win. Playing like a rat. I think it's funnier for you to win if you actually learn the game and don't have to rely on luck like that. Like, I don't understand that. People just get mad, don't they? So they just start typing and they just come out of it, just go, type all sorts of shit because it just frustrates the shit out of them. And it's probably 30% the way Pompel plays like a rat and 70% (laughs) the game and just silly fucking rebounds and the ball bouncing off your defender's leg when you go to tackle and dropping straight to the striker or him hitting the post four times in 10 minutes. You know, this is the stuff that 
gets people mounted up. And, and Pompel's definitely using those press tactics so that this guy's player was absolutely stuck in mud. <laughs> and it just winds you up, doesn't it? There's so many parts of the game that wind you up. And then, the, you know, it's it's just, it's funny. Um, and yeah. then the next day you jump on and you forget all about it because the gameplay was silky smooth and amazing and you feel like fucking Tex. Yeah, I don't know if I ever felt that good, but yeah. Anything else? I'm looking through some of my hate mail. I'm looking through some of yes. my hate mail right now. You're really celebrating in a friendly in September. One inch pipe in your pants. Celebrate that. <laughs> God damn right. We're celebrating. One inch pipe in his pants. One inch pipe. Yeah, that's right. I know. I love it. Love it. Pants. I'm going to use that one. I'm going to use that one. <laughs> yeah, that one was, that one was uh, a couple weeks ago. I had to, had, had to clear the potentially offensive content on, on it. The, the one inch pipe one caught the uh, Xbox. Uh, yeah Uh, you know it's going to be good when it says potentially offensive incoming (laughs) i get excited about those yeah i take it as a badge of honor you know like yeah yeah, it's so good i got in this guy's head Um, maybe that's a sign miss maybe that's if i'm not getting hate mail maybe i just suck i'm just not pissing people off i'm not doing it right well i haven't gotten any hate mail so far this season but it's because i always seem to be matched up against PlayStation players, but almost said we can't message each other. But yeah, I miss uh, I, I miss that. getting people's rile. It was good fun. You you know you've done good when that happens. Good stuff. Thank you for sharing sharing us uh, your hate mail, pugs. The one inch pipe is it's probably the best one we've had in a while. All right, that's going to wrap us up. We uh, quite a lengthy episode this week. I got one quick thing. One quick thing. Do your position modifier SBCs. It's going to come in handy. Daily. Yep. Yes. Rip a couple bronze packs, throw some players in there. E- easy peasy. And then sell all your consumables that are tradable. You know, I made like 30K just selling. And I don't, I'm on an ultimate edition of Glory account, so I didn't open up a bunch of 7.5s and stuff. But get those position modifiers out the club. Get uh, the untraded ones in the club and reminder to thank me, you know, for the heads up. Is that what they're calling it now? Ultimate addition to glory because of the FIFA points? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how to describe what I'm doing. And it's just it ends up being so convoluted because there'll be the one viewer that comes in and says, well, you actually use FIFA points. So this is not a true road to glory. And so I got to be, you know, full disclosure. Just tell him to fuck off, pugs. So go watch somebody else, you boring bastard. Yeah, the same thing. I was watching Michael Bell's stream and somebody came in and they said the same thing. It's not a true road to glory because you're 46. Fuck off. Nobody asked you. Talk to your own road to glory. All right, Pugs, where can they catch your streams? Every night, twitch.tv slash the real Pugzilla. Normally, uh, late night, uh, UK, uh, middle of the evening for the US. And uh, I'm not sure when the next time I'm going to be on it. So I'm just going to say I'm going to be doing watch alongs for the full world cup. I know the world cup's coming up and everybody's excited and we'll see how it goes with, with Qatar and everything and the restrictions and all that. But, uh, as it stands right now, I'm, uh, locking in to do watch along. So the schedules might change a bit because I'm going to be spending so much time watching the games, but the World Cup is one of the things that got me into FIFA. In 2014, the World Cup in Brazil kind of captivated me. Um, and then I started following the sport daily with Liverpool and Minnesota United once they made the MLS. 
So the World Cup means a lot to me, and I'm excited for the opportunity to share with my community. Good stuff. And that's uh, twitch.tv slash therealpugzilla. And how about social media? Uh, Twitter is at Pugs Not Drugs. Uh, P-U-G-S-N-O-T-D-R-U-G-Z-Z. And I do post daily on there. But uh, yeah, the main thing is the Twitch account. And uh, I appreciate you guys having me on again. It's just, uh, it's, it's, it's easy shooting the breeze with you guys because we've got so many uh, like, like interests. So it's uh, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming. No, thanks for coming. It's always a good time having you on, folks. Paul, where can they catch you and when will you start streaming again? Um, I'm going to stream, I think, Wednesday evening, maybe even tomorrow. Um, Right foot on Twitch and right foot on Twitter, W-R-I-G-H-T-F-U-T, right fucking foot. Mm. Get it in. Get it in. Mets. At Lambo Matt on Twitter, one T, or holler at me in Discord. Sounds good. You can follow the show on Twitter at Footballers Pod. You can follow me on Twitter at The Foot Hunter. And that's going to wrap us up this week. We will catch you next week, hopefully, with more gameplay updates and content. See you then. Podcast Network.